Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the seventh episode of One for One on a positive Sunday afternoon where both Miles and I are not feeling too good. Speaking of which, I'm your host, Nolan Schumann, uh, joined as always by my co-host, Miles Fuchs. Miles, how you pulling through today? You said not doing very good, Nolan. I'm doing fantastic. I'm feeling great. Um, anytime you have to shotgun seven beers for every Oilers goal is is cause for celebration and I, I think that you need to look at that through uh, orange and blue colored glasses. Well it's a dub for the Oilers not a dub for your liver. <laughs> My liver rarely gets a dub. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah I we so I, I in case anyone hasn't been following us on the Instagram uh, which you should be um, we decided that this weekend for the Battle of Alberta, we were going to shotgun a beer for every Oilers goal in which they played a back-to-back, one on Friday, one on Saturday, which we'll get to. And they decided that they were going to score only two goals on Friday, so it was a pretty tame night for uh, for both uh, Miles and I. Uh, and then Saturday night, <laughs> uh, turns out they scored seven goals. <laughs> yeah, Connor went absolute thick o mode and decided to get a natural hat trick. We're gonna have lots to say about it, but I just wanted to uh, quickly touch on the origin story of the one for one shotgun challenge and how that came about. Uh, last year, for a boa, the Flames and Oilers were playing, and it was the famous fight night game with the goalie fight and the scraps and I think the Oilers won that game 7-4 or something like that it was another 8-3 another crazy high scoring game and we were a group of us were watching it together because you know you were able to be with people and you know just because oh you know let's shotgun a beer for every Oilers goal and you're thinking oh maybe I'll do four maybe I'll do five like that's still quite a bit but I remember they were scoring those goals like back to back to back and I'd have to go out on the balcony and just be full of regret and a couple of the other guys were gunning for the flames and it turned into a lot of fun so Nolan and I were talking about it and decided to throw it out there and having the amount of people jump in on it that did yesterday was awesome so thanks to everybody who was taking part in that and We'll talk in future pods coming up with Boas coming up about what we're going to do for a team shotgun. Don't worry. That's definitely in the mix. Uh, abs- absolutely. Um, absolutely. Well, uh, uh, well said, but uh, it, yeah, I, I like, I, I don't shotgun beer too often. The only time I do is maybe like when, when we like go to the cottage for the weekend or something like that, but big cottage guy. Hey. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it's more of a uh, Taylor's cottage more than anything, but what can you do, right? Um, but yeah, shotgunning seven beer last night. Uh, I typically need complete silence when I fall asleep, and I fell asleep with the Colorado uh, Lake or the Colorado Vegas Lake Tahoe game cranked at full volume, <laughs> and I didn't realize it until like I woke up this morning and I'm like, oh my god, the TV was on full volume. Oopsie daisy. Uh, but how about we get to the week at hand, which. I'll start off by saying, Miles, what did we predict on Sunday? Oh, Nolan, excellent question. I'm glad you uh, brought that up. We predicted the Oilers would go 3-1 and one last week, winning both games against the Flames and losing one game against the Jets. Shuffle, 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 checks, notes, paper, paper, paper. Wow, that's exactly what happened. Oh my God, who would have thunk? Mind free! <laughs> Angel yeah, being, dude, Chris Angel. Being on the one for one podcast. <laughs> Do we need to get him in here for a cameo? Dude, he, dude he, he's just gonna he's just gonna fucking like appear behind you on the zoom. He's just gonna <laughs> Was this your card? <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> okay. So well, since we talked about uh the three and one sorry, one second. Um, Chris Angel, Dog the Bounty Hunter, Billy the Exterminator. Those are my top three A&E shows. Those were the best shows, hands down. Were they? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, they were A&E. I forgot about that. Was yeah, it, I, isn't also Intervention an A&E show? It is, but I didn't. Oh. It was too too real. Billy the Exterminator it was, it was, was sick. Yeah. <laughs> so those were my top three. 
<laughs> Billy the Exterminator just took your mind off of everything. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, since they went three and one, we'll start off with the Winnipeg games that were at hand. Um, in which I, I will say overall as a week, the Oilers did play pretty damn well. There were a couple, and I do have some criticisms that we will get to, but um, ultimately I, w- I was really happy with how it all panned out this week. The first Winnipeg game I have entitled Fun But Sloppy, uh, which was a 6-5 loss to the Winnipeg Jets uh, on Monday. And to put it short, this game was like an offensive explosion, and it was just a bunch of turnovers and terrible goaltending. It was a straight-up like 80s like eighties night that all of like the hardcore Edmonton media that have been doing it for like 40 years are just creaming their pants over. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll take an 8-4 win or 6-4 loss. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, honestly marred by terrible turnovers in the defensive and neutral zone. Um, God awful goaltending from both Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. Mike Smith went seven or had seven saves on 11 shots. So he had a 636 save percentage right. and Miko Se- caught seven, seven, He's always open, right? <laughs> Koskinen went 11 for 13 with an 846 save percentage. We need to develop a convenience store called 1113 just to just to help out Miko a little bit. Make him feel included. Yeah. Um, but I will say the Oilers did show a lot of fight in this one. Going, uh, they, they were down 4-1 early in the second. Clawed back to make it 4-3. Uh, Jets made it 5-3 late in the second. Then the game was tied up in the third period. And uh, also, like... Alex Chason scored twice, which was um, shocking, to say the LOL least. LOL is what you have <laughs> beside the notes, and I think that sums it up pretty well. Because every time Chason scores, and I know, well, fuck it, foreshadowing, that's going to bite me in the ass. But uh, at this point in time, I'm like, oh, every time Chason scores, it's so funny because he's so shitty. <laughs> it's it's, a, it's a, a silly turnout, needless to say. Um, but... A lot of my concerns about this team were still pretty well confirmed in this game because I am still not comfortable whatsoever with this team going into the third. Even last night, man, I was fucking terrified. It's a crapshoot. It honestly is a crapshoot of who's going to come out to start the third, like in terms of which Oilers team is it going to be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like it's just it's all these it's just carelessness with the puck and like defensive zone breakdowns and i just imagine dave tippett is just fuming behind the bench like he he's got the he's got like like his hair is starting to kind of come up and then it's starting to smoke a little bit and then you can kind of start to see like one one or two small flames and then it just turns into a massive inferno on top of his head because it's it's so frustrating to watch um, and then, and then ultimately, at the end of the day, it ended up being a six, uh, a, 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 the six-five goal from B- Blake Wheeler, which uh, sealed up the game for the Jets. And I, uh, on a side note, I see a lot of people getting upset at Evan Bouchard for this, and I understand and I agree with the criticism of Evan Bouchard. He could have played a little bit harder on Blake Wheeler. But ultimately, this goal is due to a bad turnover at the blue line by Dominic Cahoon. And Blake Wheeler is Blake Wheeler. He's a giant man, and he's just going to outwork Evan Bouchard. So I'm, I'm honestly not too, I'm not too upset about it. It's a good welcome to the NHL moment for the guy. So it happens. Shit happens. Um, you know, just uh, you just got to chalk it up to experience. But I will say... Uh, a lot of really good swears were picked up over the mics <laughs> because there's no fans. Uh, so I believe it was actually the very first goal Mike Smith let in. You can actually hear an audible fuck and you can actually hear it on the Sportsnet like rerun package like on YouTube. And then on the uh, on the Blake Wheeler goal, you can actually hear him score or you can actually hear him shout fucking rights, boys on the game winner. So that's just that's just awesome. Um, but there's three certain there's three certainties in life, Nolan. Death, taxes, and hockey players swearing. And I'm just glad that we get a little bit of that oh, every now and again on a broadcast. It's my, fa- it's my favorite part about the Stanley Cup uh, celebration is you hear the fucking oh, rights, yeah. boys. Mid, it's like you put the subtitles on and it's like Midwestern men chattering, <laughs> swearing, yelling obscenities at each other. Boys, boys, boys. Um, but the one of the biggest stories about this game was that Connor McDavid 
came into this game with 497 career points, got himself two, which set him up for... Before I get into this, Miles, do you have any last thoughts on the first Winnipeg game? Um, um not really. Um, I, like I think you covered everything that I was thinking about the game. Just there was a few goal. I don't know. I don't, I got nothing else to say, Nolan. We got important other important stuff to talk about. I won't be nitpicky here. Another couple big games we want to chat about. Let's move on to what you were pre- prefacing here, and I'll let you go ahead and introduce it. Five zero. Zero, which was a 3-2 Edmonton win over the Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday. 16-22 left in the first. Uh, Connor sends off a dish to his streaking, just magnificent hot boy Jesse, as I'm calling him now. Hot boy (laughs) Jesse, uh, who finishes it and nabs Connor McDavid his 500th career point in 369 games, tying Sidney Crosby. Um, I, I, I just kind of put into stars here just like to say congratulations. So I'm kind of going off script a little bit here, but, um, I mean, I, I, I don't typically try, I try not to get too sentimental at times, but it's hard not to, um, congratulations to Connor McDavid. I mean, the guy has been, the guy has put the team on his back for the last six seasons, which is hard to believe. Um, watching him come from being this shy, very timid 18 year old boy to coming to this team and leading them while being a 24 year old shy timid man uh in which it's been uh it's been it's been great to see and the talent is just out of this world and the leadership ability is out of this world as well i'm i'm so happy to see that he's an edmonton oiler and i hope he retires as an oiler but it's been it's been it's been so great to see. So, just a big shout out to Connor McDavid. It's not every day that we get to see a guy score 500 points in an Oilers jersey. Uh, did you have any? Do you want to say anything about uh, Connor? Yeah, I'm sure I'll never hear this, but 100% congratulations to Connor McDavid. That's unbelievable feat. But I think what's most impressive about Connor McDavid's 500 goals is not, or sorry, not 500 goals, 500 points is not how many games it took him to hit 500 but how rapidly he's gone from like 200 to 300 and then 300 to 400 and 400 to 500 like he was kind of slow to 100 and then 100 to 200 was pretty slow as well but you look at like because he's a pretty consistent 100 point producer and it's just like he flies through those milestones and it's just crazy to see what he can do with the puck, especially in the Calgary game, that no look goal. Every time he scores a no look goal, I think of Angel sings. Like it's just <laughs> unbelievable what he can do, the power he has. Oh my god! Anyway, he he has the, he has the ability to lift the entire crowd out of their seat anytime he has the puck on a stick. It's the it's a, a gift. Oh, for sure. But that was kind of like uh, going back to that last Jets game, the the Jets loss. Um, it was like the last three minutes you could just tell Connor was trying to go Connor mode and it was cool cool to see him pick the puck up and just be relentless trying to go at Hellebuck and put the puck in the net unfortunately wasn't able to do it but you can just see like the game breaker ability he has and few players in the in any professional sport have that and it's unbelievable to think that we've got that on our favorite team yeah it's it's the drive you only see from guys like Sidney Crosby and like LeBron James it's it's absolutely incredible um, but uh, the one little underrated nugget I just wanted to mention about that goal is like Jesse Pugliarvi scores the goal. Sorry. Yes. Pugliarvi scores the goal, um, comes around, comes around the boards. And when he comes around, the very first person he looks towards is Connor and like points at Connor. And it like, I think he mouthed something along the lines of like, congratulations or something like that. But God, it, it, it was great to see, um, so happy he's back and i think he loves being back as well but yeah, i think i think he really likes being an oiler yeah uh anyways leon responded right away put them up by two um this like this team's becoming a really good th- first period team um the bet i can almost re- i can almost uh i can almost advertise to anybody is take the money line on the first period of like, like with the oilers because they are a hot first period team like they get off to a start now and that was something that was an issue starting off the season and watching it kind of go the opposite direction now is really great to see 
Um, but I, I was happy that that uh, Dave Tippett went back to Smith for the second Winnipeg game because when you're dealt the hand that Dave Tippett's dealt with the talent he has between the pipes, the the most important thing you can do is give your guys confidence and giving Mike Smith this game and then the performance has given Mike Smith confidence and I think that's going to be huge going forward. Well, you could you could see a total change in how the Oilers were playing when they yanked Smith. Like they went from not giving a shit and low effort to trying a little bit more and that's often what happens when you pull the goalie and put the new guy in, right? So yeah. I, I echo what you're saying, Nolan. I'm glad that Tippett went back to Smith because I don't like that's kind of what I was gonna say before when I was blabbering and you asked me what if I had any other notes on the game. I don't think all of those goals Smith let in were his fault. Some of them were, some of them weren't great, some of them were Swiss cheese type goals. But if like I, I say it all the time, there's five guys that the puck's got to get through before it gets to the goalie. Yeah. And the effort at the start of that first Winnipeg game was so low. Smith kind of got hung out to dry a little bit, and then. You know, like I said, a few goals just got by him or whatever, right? So, yeah, good that Tippett went back to him, especially with Smith being out at the beginning of the year with an injury. He doesn't need to sit on the bench. Guy's a, a veteran in the NHL. He knows when he has a bad game, and if anything, uh, he's going to come back with a bounce back right away, and he sure did that. Yeah, and, it, yeah, it was just I'm 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 – I'm happy with uh, I'm happy with how with how that game turned out because it was the game they needed they needed to take that one because um, that was just going to bump them up further up in the standings. Um, overall, though, the events of the game were not really all that important. It was a pretty uh, it was a pretty quiet game overall for offense, but it was Connor's night for 500. Um, did you have any last uh, any last tidbits on the last Winnipeg game, or do you want to start jumping into the BOA? Jump on in. All right, so I've actually entitled these two episodes or th- these two games, um, and I, I actually think I'm I'm actually quite uh, I think I'm actually quite clever with the naming of these oh, two really, games. Oh, really, Nolan? Yeah. You think you're clever? Yeah. <laughs> the first game, which I have entitled "Shut Them Down," which was a two-one Edmonton win over the Calgary Flames on Friday, and they followed it up less than 24 hours later with a game I called "Burn Them Down," which was a seven-one Edmonton win on. Well, last night. Um, that wasn't a win. That was that was a throttling. We're we're gonna we're gonna start with we're gonna start with the first BOA. You you do it. Okay. Um. So game one of the back to back uh, was in what I've what I've called the Shadow Dome, which is a uh, saddle plus shit because the <laughs> rink is a fucking dump. Uh, <laughs> it was just uh, like imagine cheering for that team and being like, yeah, this is the home of a professional hockey team. Like, what a fucking dump of an arena that is. I hate the Saddle Dome so much. So Eric Church was doing a concert tour through Western Canada a couple of years ago. I think like three, four years ago, and he had to the night of his calgary show switch to an acoustic entire acoustic performance because the roof of the saddle dome was not rated to hold the weight of his speakers <laughs> no joke man like, yeah but we got yeah but we got the foam domes our our beers are ranked they're gonna get you so drunk you ever had a foam dome before that's everybody in calgary Oh, we have the Calgary Stampede. Yeah, you know what? You also have the fucking Calgary Stampeders. Get out of here, Henry Burris. <laughs> R.I.P. R.I.P. to the CFL. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a 2-1 win. And the first thing I wanted to mention is Jesse, Jesse Poliarvi is just staying hot. God damn, man. The guy is doing what we've been saying. Get on that, put your stick down, and just tap it in. Just tap, tap, tap. Tap it in. Okay, sweetie. Tap, tap, tap it in. <laughs> tap it in. Uh, <laughs> um, and he's still not on power play one, which, whatever. Um, but uh, Ken Holland and Dave Tippett deserve a complete round of applause for the work they did in bringing Yesipul Yarvi back. I'm just, I'm so happy to see that he's succeeding, and he just, he just deserves it. So, round of applause to uh, uh, Ken Holland. You know what, man? As as much applause as you want to give them, I think a lot of it goes to like Connor and Leon as well. Um, if you followed Jesse, yes, on social media or anything like that, like there was that toilet paper challenge or something. Oh you, yeah. yeah. And he tagged McDavid in it as one of the people that had to follow it up. So you could tell that like the leaders on that team were reaching out to him while he was in Finland and trying to keep him engaged and trying to say like, Hey man, like we want you here and stuff like that. So 
Um, yes, that change from the coach and GM has affected the culture of the team, which has in turn, I think, made it more appealing for a guy like Jesse to come back. But at the end of the day, it's about the guys in the room, and I think they've got, done a very, very good job of making him feel welcome and not making him feel like a diva piece of shit or anything like that because it very easily could have been that way, right? He could have yeah. been, been excluded and had to claw his way back into the room, and they've welcomed him with open arms, and it's paid dividends, right? Yeah, and not only that, but, I mean, I, I as much as I am kind of, you know, talking a lot about like the coach or as much as we're talking about like the coaching staff as well as the teammates um there just just a huge bunch of credit goes to ESA himself it looks like he's put in that work and it looks like he's that year that year in Finland must have been really good for him because that must have been the exact spark he needed and time for him to be a superstar in a Finnish league rather than being in the NHL so it's great to see yeah yeah. yeah, I want but, uh, I want you to talk about point three because you <laughs> I, you have a vendetta and it needs to be addressed. <laughs> so, guess who was out of this game, Miles? Hmm, hmm, I'm not sure. Uh, Nolan, who who was it? Number eight, Kyle Turris. He was fucking out. <laughs> and good lord, can you ever tell? Uh, uh, on a side note, apparently Kyle Turris is injured. I don't wish injury on anybody, but. If you can try and keep Kyle Turris out of the lineup, I I wouldn't be opposed to it. That was the most uh, disingenuous bunt I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. You just said that for because you had to. But he should not be in the lineup for the rest of the season because the team plays completely different. I don't know if you've realized that, but the bottom six, what Gaetan Haas brings to this lineup is more than just speed. Like because he, he he brings speed. You watch you watch a play develop on Gaetan Haas's stick, and he has defensive awareness. He can play on the PK. Kyle Turris cannot as much as Dave Tippett wants to think he can. And Yeah, Kyle, I'm just going to need you to have a little more of an active stick out there and, you know, just, uh... Sorry. <laughs> That's uh, my uh, tip today. Well, uh, Kyle, um, we're going to get you on the bench today, and uh, we're going to... Um... Uh, Hosser and okay so and then he's just like okay, okay. no Kyle, right, Kyle Turris is like oh so I'm not gonna flub one at the goalie and get my shots uh shots up one again on oh, actually I'm shots. pretty sure Kyle Turris has a deeper voice than Dave Tippett I don't know why I don't know why I pussied out on his voice fuck it whatever yeah. <laughs> <Life> <laughs> goes on. but uh yeah he's he's even got better offensive iq um than kyle turris which is shocking considering kyle turris was making six million dollars last year but say la vie uh i'm i'm happy that gaetan haas like gaetan haas should be in this lineup for the rest of the season he should be the team's permanent fourth line center for the foreseeable future i'd be happy with them re-signing him Uh, i don't know if he has another year left i don't think he does i think he just has this year and i'd be more than happy to see him back next um next season as well as the team's permanent fourth line center oh yeah there's lots of Gaetan Haas love on Oilers Twitter after every game you can just see how bad the fan base likes him and how much people want him around so if uh Holland if you're ever if you're listening bud figure it out we want him he he's a he's a Swiss darling I love him Um, but, uh, once again, not really a super eventful game, but the Oilers completely shut down the flames. Boring, boring game. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the Rasmus Anderson goal, the shots were 25 to 21 Edmonton, super gutty win. And it also, (laughs) you're calling it the Rasmus Anderson goal. You're not calling it the Tyson Berry blowout. Well, I di- we're trying to be nice to Tyson Berry. We're going through a rehabilitation process of Tyson Berry on one for one. Okay, sorry. Yes, I was. I, well, missed, I, I didn't check my email this morning. <laughs> but um, on a side note, can I just mention this? I placed a uh, I placed a bet for Capitals to beat the Devils against the spread today. The Capitals were down two nothing. Capitals ended up tying it up in the third. Capitals went up 4-2 at the end. So all I had to win was by two goals. They allowed a goal to New Jersey with 11 seconds left. I'm so (laughs) mad. Like, I'm furious. It was like the nice little bit of entertainment I had while I was making my notes, and they fucked me. Anyways, um, Kyle – sorry, uh, Mike Smith now is at 4-0-0 
1.83 goals against average and a 940 save percentage. I'm waiting for it to come crashing down, but pretty good right now. Very no. happy to see that. Mike Smith for the Vesna. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Marc-Andre Fleury. <laughs> Mike Smith is coming for you. It's an old man's world, and you're just living in it. Now... Well, okay, how much time we got? Oh, we still got about 35 minutes or so. Uh, holy shit, last night was fun. <laughs> uh, so uh, the first point I made was not very eventful, uh, but it was a 7-1 Edmonton win over the Calgary Flames. And first and foremost, just wanted to mention, I bet against the spread. I bet Barry to score. I bet Connor going over two and a half points. So I lost on the Barry goal. But, man, I knew Connor was going to come out tonight, but I don't know if I could even imagine he was going to come out the way he did last night. Yeah, that was that was stupid. The Oilers started off with a bang. Uh, Chia Sun, Ch- or Ch- uh, Alex Chia Sun, <laughs> uh, slapped in Connor's rebound with four minutes in. Uh, the guy's got three goals and has five points in 13 games. At this point, keep him in the lineup. If he's, if he's going to continue to produce offensively go right ahead i don't give a shit just keep them on the fourth line yeah honestly i'll take it yeah and kind of like what you were saying before about yesse being on line uh, power play one i actually don't hate that he isn't right because you're gonna have connor well i don't know i don't really know where i'm going with that i guess ultimately what i'm saying is i like when players can play with different guys than they normally do because it's just too much of the same shit um when you don't mix things up right so i don't know how that forward line would look if they had would do you take nuge out and do you put pool in is that ultimately what you do or do you take dry out like are you saying like who would i take out of the power play lineup yeah oh i'd take chase on out yeah okay but yeah. then how, where I, does dry line up in that like what's your what's your power play one? Oh, you... i oh uh power play one is connor nuge leon uh in a perfect world, I'd go Bouchard, but Barry's producing; it's fine. Um, and I put Yessi as the net front presence. Like he he's 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 quicker at cleaning up rebounds, man. Like I I'm more than happy to see Yessi in that in that spot. Regardless, I like seeing I like seeing different line combinations. Yeah, it's fair with each other. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then uh, then that was followed up with uh, Jujar Kara beating the fucking wheels off of Sam Bennett. <laughs> So when that fight broke out, I, so every time the Oilers scored and we were shotgunning, I called my or I FaceTime Miles, and the after that, I think it was after that first goal, we were shotgunning, and then Jujar Kara started beating the taste out of Sam Bennett's mouth. Like it's, I, it was awesome to see. It's just a we need that in the Battle of Alberta, and you know, even when he's scoring, you're, even when he isn't scoring, that physical presence is so valued. Well, I like. Okay, going back to because somebody had somebody had to beat up Sam. Like with what happened with Slater, uh, R.I.P. Slater. Sad to see him hurt. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. But like that was a that was a freak play. Like I don't think Sam Bennett was targeting him or anything like that. But anytime one of your guys goes helicoptering to the ice and leaves with an injury, especially in a rivalry game, there's got to be an answer to that. And I think it just, it didn't happen right away. Just you know at the time of the hit just because of how quickly everything happened and who was out on the ice. But, you know, something definitely went down the bench. And next time that Jujar was out there, he went and, and scrapped Bennett. And I'm glad that somebody did because that was my, well, the guy I was watching the game with, T-Nye, the science guy, said, somebody's got to answer for that. Somebody's got to answer for that. He's also a Bruins fan from the 70s with a cigarette in his mouth. And all he wants to do is see violence on the ice, which I, you know, is a product for sure. But he wants he wants to see Jujar Kara take his skate off and cut fucking Sam Bennett in the face. Uh, maybe not that far. Maybe no. Maybe no Chris Nylon anything there. But yeah, it was good scrap. I, so we're FaceTiming. We're waiting to gun our beer. Nolan's head is turned. He's not at the camera. I'm like, fight, fight. There's a fight. There's a fight. And then what? And you can see him in the camera turning around and looking. So I'm glad that you were able to see it as well. That you didn't miss it. Yes, I'm, I'm. I'm very happy. But uh, yeah, I mean the whole thing with this game too. Once again, like we mentioned earlier, Connor McDavid is just—he's so good, man. He like it's the type of game that says he's must see TV. Um, not only does he have five points, but he has like an insane pass and an insane goal. We touched upon like the no look goal, but there was the pass that he had on the two on one goal to Nuge where. 
it's like it's, it's it. he just threads it between two flames and the paint and it's just it's just connor just doing like typical connor things it's just it's insane um connor, and, connor nola nola banged the five hole goal last year too i don't yeah, know if it, against if the it, flames yeah i don't know if it was riddich or talbot but i, I think it was riddich so that makes me happy that both of their uh, goaltending duo in the NHL now have, has been no looked by Connor. Yeah, well, and well, not only that, but they like, yeah, like they they got slaughtered by friggin' or like Jacob Markstrom got slaughtered by the Oilers, and it was great to see because especially after he uh, after he told Ken Holland to go fuck himself in free agency, I'm happy to see that uh, <laughs> the boys just told him to go fuck himself. Yeah, we don't need you. Yeah, see see you later, Jacob. Um, but the the most important thing is you, you just have to build on this. Like you can't pull off this game and then go into uh, go into Vancouver uh, on Tuesday and just lay a fucking turd. So you have to just you have to you have to keep building on this. You have to keep learning because this team is not complete yet. I'll I'll get into a couple things that are still really concerning to me, but. It's ultimately going to be very, very, very important that these guys just continue to do what they're doing and just find their game and play their game. Don't get lost in it and don't like don't try to be something that you're not. So it's it it, it was a great game. It was so exciting. Um, a little concerning. The shots were forty four to twenty four flames. <laughs> so Miko had to stand on his head. Um, well, man, any game that gets a runaway score like that is gonna you're gonna see weird shot counts like the if you look back at some of this uh like yeah 44 shots but how many of them were just flubs on goal right they, none of them were extremely dangerous or high scoring chances or anything like that in my opinion yeah. i don't know i'd That's like fair. to see so yeah they, they were just putting pucks on net trying to get things to happen and yeah miko had to make all those saves they were earned right yeah but definitely not as bad as it looks on the score counter in in my opinion anyway yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's fair. Um, but uh, lastly, though, Slater Cuckoo out with a broken collarbone. I don't think we have an update on what's going on with Yamamoto yet. Um, he's we're, we're still awaiting to see what's going on with him, but he didn't return for the third. So some guys are going to have some prime playing time. Um, as a uh, note that I wanted to bring up, just because it got revealed a couple hours ago, Theodore Lenstrom's going to be called up from ba- the Bakersfield Condors. So I had mentioned to Miles that I think that's gonna, that's a guy that the coaching staff is really going to want to get some is really going to want to get some time to. So we'll see how that goes. I'm excited to see what Theodore Lindstrom has to offer, but um, ultimately this also means that Caleb Jones is coming in the lineup. So I'm very excited for that. So going to see how he follows up his uh, not great start to the season, um, and hopefully this means that eventually Chris Russell is out of the lineup. We'll see. Probably we not, will, though. We will see exactly. Yeah. Um, did you have any last thoughts on the uh, on the game last night? Fun to watch, like you said, must see TV anytime. That it's funny anytime that okay. Austin Matthews has been on a little bit of a tear. Um, McKinnon's been playing really well. Anytime that you know the media starts to get some MVP chatter about somebody that's not McDavid he just goes he takes it so personal and just goes stupid the next night so I don't know I just loved I loved it he he's got that ability he's got that game breaker ability just to take it over do whatever he's got to do but you can and he's 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 smiling on the bench Nolan yeah he looks so so, he looks so happy He's a uh, happy, handsome young man. Happy, with handsome. His, with, a, with, a, with a really nice dog. Happy, handsome, and healthy. Connor, Lenny, and Lauren. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, I just wanted to just touch upon a couple of final like little Oilers notes before we get into... We're going we're gonna to try and run through this because we're kind of against the time crunch here, but I uh, wanted to mention... So the team's 12-8-0 after starting 3-6-0, so they've gone 9-12 and in their last 11. Very positive to see. <laughs> but they have played a lot of Ottawa, So, th- but they have also beat a lot of quality teams in the Leafs, Jets, and the Habs. So that's that's very good to see. And, and the Flames. Let's get, let's oh, sorry, that's what I meant to say. The yeah. Flames as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah. Um, I meant to add that they were also in there. But um, unfortunately, they're still, overall in the season, they're still one of the worst possession teams in the league. They're 27th in Corsi 4, 24th in Fenway. Wick for uh, fourth in expected goals against, like in the bad way, like they're fourth from the bottom. Yeah. Um, and uh, but on a positive note, they're fourth in goals four per game. Um, 
and then back to being bad, the 23rd in goals against per game, and then like and then they're second worst in shots against per game, which is right behind the Canucks. So I think this may have to do with a lot of the play from beforehand. Um, so if this means that they have progressed to being a better team and being much smarter defensively and really building upon that structure, then that's good to see. But the I, I'd really like to see those numbers change because especially the possession numbers, like the, those possession numbers are freaking brutal. So, um, yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm excited. I, I did mention here that like I, I the team's going through metamorphosis, so we have to be patient. And this team is not going to be the same team that we see hopefully in April. So I'm excited about that. Um, also, get getting Ryan and Hopkins resigned because this is this is bullshit. I'm, I'm, I, he's going to go on a heater and he's going to score like 20 goals in like 15 games. And then we're going to have to pay him like $9 million a year. So please get this done. I don't want a Jeff Skinner contract in our hands. Like what the hell? Um, and yeah, Ethan bear, we hopefully he comes back and also people stop talking about trading him. Ethan bear is not going anywhere just because we have decent play from the defensive core right now. does not mean that we should be prioritizing Tyson Berry over Ethan bear for the upcoming future. That's the end of my Ted talk. Thank you. Uh, Nolan. Yes. I don't know if I agree with you on that. On the Ethan bear thing. Yeah. I think if the right deal came about, you have, you have to consider it. It depends on who it is because uh, like, exactly, but you can't classify him as untouchable. I, I would, but he's. I would say he's probably he's probably their second best defenseman. Yeah, he's their second best defenseman. Right, but I, I don't know, man. Boot with Bush and Broberg coming up and seeing what's going to happen with Nurse down the line. Like, I don't know, man. If the if the right deal is there, I don't think. I think you if he if there's an expendable guy on the blue line with a really high return, I think it might be Ethan Bear. But what I'm saying though is that if you're don't move if you're gonna move him for like a top so let let's say like let's say like the Blue Jacket said, oh yeah, um, we'd like to trade uh, we'd like to trade you Patrick Line for Ethan Bear. I'm I yeah do it. But I'm saying like I don't want Ethan Bear traded for some fucking middling middle six forward that they're like oh yeah like if i see ethan bear traded for like a guy like a thomas tatar i'll be pissed like oh, I, I don't think ken, i don't think ken holland will do that and it's really funny that you bring up tatar in that example and we're talking about ken holland because <laughs> oh yeah because don't the, yeah but but no i so uh, yeah, I, but I if if like I said, if it's for the right, if it's for the right deal, fine. I I can understand that, but I do think that we need to stop talking about it. Like it's like we need to move him. It's like keep Ethan Bear because he's very good, and when he gets back, you put him back with Darnell Nurse because yes, the offensive numbers are going up, but the defensive numbers are taking a massive, 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 massive bite with Barry and Nurse. So. You got to get that cleaned up, and until that happens, then I'm still going to be kind of on edge a bit. Um, but yeah, couple couple little things here. Um, I, I don't want to get into it too much. We'll maybe save it for next episode. But like the Coyotes are just a dog shit franchise. There's the whole thing that came out with uh, with the Katie Strang article uh, in the Athletic. Please please subscribe to the athletic and read that um if you can because it's a really no free ads yeah <laughs> no free ads but it's a really damn good article and it gives you a lot of insight to see what's going on with the coyotes so i highly recommend reading it um covid lists are down to 11 which is great to see um yeah i'm very happy about that hopefully we can keep everyone healthy and safe um what's what what do you mean covid lists? so as in like the amount of players that are actually on the like covid on like the covid um uh, the what the fuck is the list called? Like the like the COVID report that they have for like each NHL team. There's only eleven okay. players that are on it right now. It's like okay, yeah, it's going right down. Yeah, it's going down like very rapidly. Um, also, can people stop shitting on the NHL for the Lake Tahoe game? It's so it's so annoying to see people that are upset over like how things went yesterday and calling it like an unmitigated like disaster. I don't think it was a disaster. Shit happens. The NHL was doing something kind of cool because they can't really do like an outdoor. They can't do like a winter classic or anything like that. And the fact that they did it at Lake Tahoe, it looked really cool. It was really interesting. So I think as part of a podcast where we were talking about well, we want the NHL to be like to take some risks and do to do more interesting things i think that 
the fact that they tried to pull this off, and they eventually did. Like, the game ended up finishing last night, um, albeit really late, but it was really cool to see, and the images were friggin' stunning. Um, and the jerseys, the, the red uh, the, the red Vegas jerseys are kind of yucky, but those abs unis were unbelievable. Yeah, they, yeah, they were sick. The, the yellows from the Bruins look amazing, and the Flyers jerseys don't look too yeah. bad either. So they've done, for outdoor games in the past where the NHL has kind of gone really weird with some uniforms, they did a really nice job of working with the teams to make a nice product on ice. It's, a like you said, very good showcase for the game. And hopefully with this attention, get some more fans and some non-traditional markets to check them out. Hell yeah. Um, but not Phoenix, but not in Arizona. <laughs> well, on that note, should we jump to the mailbag? Let's jump to the mailbag. All um, right. First question. So thanks to everybody who submitted some questions. We'll get to as many as we can here, but we've picked out about five or six that we think are musts. Um, the mailbag got posted on Saturday morning. So we had a submission from Father Schumann. Um, let's talk about your hangover from last night. Ha, ha, ha. Brother, if you only knew what was in store for the 7-1 shellacking of the Flames the next night, uh, you, that, 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 that hangover from Friday was nothing. There was no hangover. Could have ran a marathon the next day. Today, not so much. Today, yeah, not so I'm, good. Yeah, Today, I'm, I'm feeling hurts. fine now. Yeah, yeah feeling better, but yeah. Yeah, woke, no, up, it, woke up with a headache. <laughs> We love you, Dad. We love you. And also, shout out... Yeah, shout out to Richard yesterday. Oh, my God. Uh, also... Sucking beers. Also, shout out to Richard. I don't know if anybody can see... Well, I guess we're actually not... We're not really putting these on YouTube, but um, my dad got us some some glass uh, some glass images of our very first episode uh, with a light. It's incredible. So we just wanted to give a big shout out to my dad and uh, thank, him for, thank him for doing that and keep being you. Dickard. Keep 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 Dickard forever. He's our yeah. nuge. <laughs> um, uh, let's get to the next one. Second question comes from uh, Jackson Mahomes. Has Jesse established himself as McDee's running mate, or is it too early? Um, I I'll, think that's I'll start, easy. I'll yeah, start on ahead. this one. I think it's too early is my initial prediction, but every sign is pointing north, and I'm just trying to... Everybody, everybody knows that I'm a yes Harvey stan, so... Um, yeah, I love what I'm seeing, but I think it's still a little bit too early to like throw the throw the farm at him to keep him. Um, I would say I I'd say he is. Um, I think what he offers what he offers as a complimentary player is very 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 important. Um, he's a smart player. He's not. He's very. I'd say he's very skilled, but he's not particularly skilled in like developing and driving play. But. What he offers playing with McDavid and the speed, like it was that the, like the perfect example was on that 500 point goal, like he or 500th point, yeah, 500 point 500th point goal where he was with him the entire way, and that's really important to see. And when you've got a guy like that, and it's about keeping his confidence up, you got to keep him with McDavid. You have to develop that chemistry because one of the things I was so frustrated by for the last like four years is watching the Oilers organization put all these different guys with Connor McDavid and it's just the guy's probably getting so frustrated because he's like I I, I I want consistent line me it's like you know you watch a team like the Boston Bruins and the Bruins are the Bruins have their perfection line and they will not like it, it will not break up if they do it's a very drastic measure and furthermore the analytical numbers on what McDavid, Nuge, and Pugliarvi are pulling off is fucking insane. They're one of the best. They're one of the best lines in the NHL. So I'm. I say keep them there, and you you make it work. I think if you're going to move anybody on that line, you move Nuge on that line because he offers versatility that you need. Um, you need him to move. Like if you need him to move into you know like a third line center role where you want to like stack your offense kind of going through if that's like a playoff run sort of thing to do. But I, 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 I'm a big believer in keeping Yessie with Connor. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. Okay. That segues in nice to another question here from Jackson Mahomes. Should the Oilers explore trading Nuge? Do you want to do this at the same time in a harmony or, uh, so in, uh, so, uh, is, are we going to go one word or three words? Three words. Okay, uh, in three, two, one, go. We're gonna do it. Okay, three, two, one, go. Keep, Keep new, nuge, nuge forever. forever. 
we fucked that up, but keep we Nuge. did. It's okay. Keep Nuge forever is the moral of the story here. There, do not get rid of Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Man. I don't know it's... where. I don't know why you would get why you would not keep Nuge for what he can do. And just like uh, Nolan was saying about his versatility, but you find a consistent thirty goal scorer who can move up and down your lineup, who can kill penalties, who can win draws, who's a leader, who's been in Edmonton as long as he has and put up, has put up with the amount of shit that he has with, and from wants this franchise, to stay. and wants to stay, you don't get rid of that guy. I don't no. think that there's any scenario where the Oilers trade Nuge or don't throw a contract at him dude, because we need dude, to when keep he, Nuge. When they win the cup, he's going to be the first guy that gets the cup. Like it's like sorry, it, like Connor's obviously gonna lift it, but he's the first guy Connor's gonna hand it to is gonna be Nuge. Absolutely, he's been through the decade of darkness. He's a fan favorite. He came in as a kid. He's still a baby faced angel, but no, we love him. No, we love him so no. much. Sweet, no, no, no. Su- sweet, sweet, pr- sweet, pr- sweet Prince Ryan. Sweet Prince Ryan. Next question comes from Baby Back Billick. Um, give me some goalie trades, is what he said. Now, oh, is that a crack of a Bud Latte? I never stop. He doesn't. This man can't stop, won't stop, will not stop. <sighs> Goal, goalie trades. Yeah, for sure. Goalie trades, Billick. Um, back when Smitty was out, I think this was a topic of discussion that a guy could have gone on for a really, really long time. But now that they're back, and yeah, I know Smith just got yanked from a game, and they've been giving up some goals. Okay, goaltending needs to be addressed, but I don't know if right now you go out and make this trade. I think it's something you have to do before the deadline or look at before the deadline. But as of right now, let it ride and see what you got. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm of the mindset of I think that the, what we're getting from these two guys is probably a little bit of luck involved right now. Um, so I'm not ready. I, I still think the Oilers need to trade for a goaltender. Um, and I think that there's a couple of teams that are absolutely in mind and absolutely in play. So who do you go for then? Uh, I, there's a couple of guys I'd be looking at. So depending on how the seasons play out for them, Columbus has been struggling a, a bit. I don't know where they are in their, in, in the standings right now, but if you can go for either one of those guys in either Corpus Allo or Elvis Merzlikens, I'd be down for either one of those guys. Matt, I was for a little while, but Sean Patrick Ryan, shout out Sean Patrick Ryan from last episode, um, posted uh, the some analytics for what Columbus has been doing for goals allowed and shots, and they're the same as the Oilers, like within one or two goals. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Merzlikens or uh, Corpusalo is really the guy to go or the guys to go for. I I yeah I'm I'm a I really like Jonas Corpusalo so I, I I guess I'll just I guess I'll just take that. But um, since they came out with the with who Nashville's going to keep for sure, I was initially thinking Pekarene would would be a nice fit because you can get him for some retained salary. He's got one year left and you probably pay like a fourth round pick for him. But if he's staying in Nashville, he's staying in Nashville. Um, I think the big thing, the big one that everyone sort of talked about for the last year or so, I've been banging on this drum as well, but is Darcy Kemper. Um, I think you got, you got to do whatever you can to get that top flight goaltender in a dream scenario. If I guess we'll bring it up now, but the ultimate dream scenario, since they are starting to slide a bit and, uh, I don't know how much he can take, but we were talking about this the other day, but John Gibson, uh, you know what, if, if, if that's the guy you got to trade a guy like Ethan bear for, I'm okay with that. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Nolan. So when I brought when, yeah, going back to that Ethan bear thing, I think if there's a deal where you can get like a Kemper or uh, a Gibson, and Ethan Bear is involved in that package. I'm smashing. I'm smashing that. Yeah, with with Gibson, you're you're paying a lot though, so that's my only concern. Yeah, I like, don't I don't think Bear would be enough. Yeah. It, oh, absolutely not. You're you're looking Bear a pick, probably, probably one prospect. one or two of those high end guys, um, which would either be Dylan Holloway or Philip Roberg, depending on how people think of them. I think Evan Bouchard has listed himself as untouchable now, so. You're not seeing him go anywhere, but I could absolutely see um, I could absolutely see Anaheim asking for one of those big prospects. But John Gibson's a guy where on overall talent, I think you you get a guy like him and you have your goaltending set up for the next decade. Oh, he's he's 26 or 27 years old. Like you're just getting into his prime as a as an NHL goaltender. Yeah, and, and he's 
He's got a and shitty a team in front of him. <laughs> and a good D-Corps that's starting to form, well, good with a grain of salt D-Corps that's going to be around him in Edmonton would be sweet. Yeah. Would be hot. Hot, yeah. hot. That's some uh, good shit. I think we got... I think we got time for one more here, Nolan. Um, question from Pastor Dave. How will junior hockey being cancelled affect the NHL and CHL for the next few years? So, we talked about this with Sean Patrick Ryan a little bit last year, or last episode. Um, WHL has got a bubble that's being set up, so they're going to be playing. Uh, sounds like the OHL is going to be playing in April, and I'm not sure about the Quebec League. But, I thought the Q's um, already playing. Is the Q playing? I think they are. Hold on. Let me just let me just confirm this. This is some Either. this is some great listening here. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Q is playing right now. Well, shouts out to them. But either way, um, like what Sean Patrick Ryan was saying, like there, this is something that could potentially affect these young guys, millions of dollars going forward without their development. But I think the bigger issue is like grassroots minor hockey being canceled and those kids not being able to play because you know it's the six-year-old it's the 10-year-old it's the kid in bantam that's losing an entire year of development all they're able to do is really go to the odr that's what that's when you're going to start seeing the effects is in the next couple of years when every not every player but a lot of players the the main core of players from canada the united states everywhere is going to be down a little bit in terms of quality because they lost effectively two years of of their sport yeah, it's it's gonna be tough. Like, I'm not I'm not too worried about like the sustainability of a lot of those like 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 really 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 like minor programs, um, because a lot of it like you don't have a bunch of overhead that you're working off of like a, like money's poured into the program, but you're not you don't have it like how do I explain this? But it's like I I I, I think that it's gonna be pretty terrible to have like a lot of these like young kids be away from the sport of hockey for for the next two or three years or sorry for the next. Um, for basically effectively two seasons. So, um, but it, it, we're seeing it mainly in Canada. I think the U S is definitely on a pretty good path right now, especially with the vaccination rate that they have going right now. So hopefully we can get that going in Canada as well. But yeah, I, I think we're going to be, we're going to have a lot of guys that are developing that maybe we won't have that super high end talent for, you know, you know, within the next five or 10 years or something like that. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of concerned with the whole thing with, uh, with like the, with like the NHL draft, how, cause apparently there was mentioned that they, the GMs were wanting to push the 2021 draft to 2022. And then they would have the 2021 draft and the 2022 draft within like a week of each other, which I think is really weird. That would be so weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't like that whatsoever, but no. yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, I, I think that there are there are though a lot of these um uh like a lot of these not only like at home programs that a lot of kids are probably doing and like a lot of stick handling like there there's so much more that you can do without having to go on a sheet of ice nowadays which is really good to see so you never know but yeah like you mentioned it's not great it sucks but uh, I I I hope ultimately these kids are able to make it out of it it sucks for the buy in too right if it's something that as a little kid you're not able to do consistently or in the way that you may like to do it 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 brings it breaks the brings up the question of do you go back to it right when things go back to normal our kids going to come back especially you know young kids and and girls even where programs aren't as available as they are for boys right they're a little bit more spread out if after you know taking a year off here um honey do you want to play hockey again this year i think a lot of kids are gonna say no or just yeah i didn't really miss it or whatever right so i think that's when you're gonna start to see issues i hope not but that's just that's just one guy's opinion on the internet uh upcoming games nolan we got the canucks on february 23rd we have vancouver on february 25th and we have toronto on february 27th what are you thinking with those games two and one i think I think, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be one of those Vancouver games are probably going to lose. Yeah. I think it's probably going to be, actually, I think it's going to be, uh, the Tuesday game. Yeah. The first, because, the first one. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, Cause yeah. it's going to be, yeah, they're going to come out and fucking be down three, nothing in the first period. Yeah, I can already tell. They're going to come out flat, um, battle back yeah. to within a goal and lose. And then they're going to bounce back yeah. and beat their ass. And then Connor's going to show Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner who McDaddy is. 
Yeah, exactly. I also think that Leon's going to have a huge week as well. Yeah, he, Leon's uh, he been just quiet. watched that. Yeah. yeah. Well, he hasn't really been, like, he had a quiet two assists last night. Like, he had fucking That's two. That's quiet. Yeah, exactly. But, like, <laughs> I think that he's going to come out this week and he's going to be, he's going to go supernova. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can pull off. But, no, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be nice to only have to talk about three games so then it's, like, less notes that we have to take, which is good. But that also means less Oilers hockey. So I'm, I'm sad about that. You know what else makes you sad, Nolan? Carson Wentz becoming an Indianapolis Colts fan. Uh, Nolan and I were talking. I know there's a few uh, there's a few Eagles fans that are listening, so I have decided to give him a PTI moment of three uninterrupted minutes to give Carson Wentz a send off. Nolan, are you ready? <sighs> yes, I have to do this. Let's go. Okay, so uh, I'm going to miss Carson Wentz a lot um, for a couple of reasons. First off, second overall pick five years ago, franchise quarterback, was a damn near MVP level player in 2017. Unfortunately, injuries got the best of him. This bullshit of saying that Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback needs to stop because this is not on Carson Wentz. This is on the front office. This is on the coaching staff. This is on pretty much everyone around Carson Wentz. Sorry, but I don't know how you expect a guy to succeed in his fucking fourth season with Greg Ward as his number one receiver. Then you follow that up by bringing Deshaun Jackson back. Like, the guy can only stay on the field for, like, two games a year. You keep Alshon Jeffrey for some reason. At this point, he's the corpse of Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, uh, Your offensive line, which is consistently injured, you never invest in any sort of depth on your offensive line. Then, for some reason, in the 2020 draft, you decide that you're going to take fucking Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, which everyone was telling you, take Justin Jefferson. And for some reason, they went Jalen Rager. Because this all goes back to Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles front office. They drive me absolutely insane. Uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside over D.K. Metcalf. Oh, my God. Uh, Andre Dillard over whoever. Um, Friggin' just the, the the lack of drafting. Like, you can look at the roster, and you can't tell me that most of that, most of that roster that was successful in 2017 – was because of drafting and developing. It really wasn't. It was a lot of things going right for multiple players, and then you were able to go to the Super Bowl, and you were able to uh, play a New England defense that was willing to give up points. It, it, I'm I'm going to lose my mind if I hear... People talk about um, if I hear people talk about how Carson Wentz is terrible. Oh my god, I got fifty eight seconds left. He absolutely does not deserve this. Carson, you were you were my quarterback. You were number eleven in my heart. Or sorry, you were number eleven on the field. You were number one in my heart. I don't care if people thought you were a bad teammate. Nobody gives a shit about that. All you are is a beautiful redheaded young man that just knows how to fucking hunt and throw a football. I fucking love it. Thirty five seconds left. Thirty four. Last thing, fuck Howie Roseman. I'm I'm done. He should have been gone with Doug Peterson. I'm the that entire coaching staff, that entire front office. You guys, you guys are all at fault for this Carson Wentz thing. I'm that's it. I'm done. Bye. Oh my God! You have 14 seconds to say whatever you want. I I had to do it about anything had, you want, Nolan. You have nine hundred seconds. Uh, Justin Jefferson's gonna be a, I don't want to say Hall of Famer, but he's gonna be really fucking good. Guy didn't even need three minutes. That's insane. But oh but you know what people do need, Nolan? People in our Pickapalooza need ten free wins. And most importantly, those people are our valued listeners. Nolan and I have noticed that Father Pickmas at the top of the list is never wrong. Is consistently going to be there. And unless we start giving out some free wins, he's never going to be dethroned. So... No, not actually. Uh, so Nolan and I have been talking, and we've been really happy with how the pick pick has been going so far, but we want to reward the people that are listening to the pod consistently and give you guys a little bit of a treat. So uh, 10 free wins are up for grabs. Five wins by messaging us um, before Thursday at 6 o'clock with the uh, free word uh, or the code word of McDaddy. And you'll get your five free wins from episode seven. And you'll get five more wins if 
before six o'clock on Thursday, you post a picture of your favorite oiler um, and tag us on your Instagram story. So that can be any oiler from this team, any oiler from history. Um, it can be Doug Waite, whatever you want, doesn't matter. But those are the two conditions. Each one gets you five free wins. They'll be added on uh, Friday's updated poll. You get 50 points if you fucking say Timu Hardikainen. I'm just kidding. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you fucking <laughs> no, don't. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it's really good that you brought that up, Miles. Uh, once again, just kind of, I shouldn't say once again, because I've never actually reminded anybody on the podcast, but uh, please follow the Instagram at uh, one underscore four underscore one pod. And then we also started up a Twitter account, uh, which is also slowly developing for some reason, we have a lot more activity. Well, we have a lot more activity on Instagram because uh, I feel like more people around us use Instagram more than Twitter. But uh, we're starting to develop that Twitter following. Please follow us on Twitter as well at One for One Pod. Uh, you get uh, great game day pod or great game day uh, uh, feedback as well as lots of photos of Rev Theory, including one that was mistakenly drunkenly tweeted off of my personal account rather than the <laughs> One for One account because I was fucking destroyed and i was trying to figure out how to post the crudely drawn hats and uh yeah that came up from my own personal twitter account but yeah please follow all our socials we really appreciate it and get those five free wins before thursday at six o'clock and that's exactly that's six o'clock saskatchewan time oh okay so uh seven o'clock or seven p.m uh uh, eastern time yeah whatever call me time But uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Miles, send her off. As always, everybody, thanks for tuning in to episode 7 of the One for One podcast. Go Oilers, go. Go Oilers, go.